the idea that there will be a workspace for people to come together for collaboration, for community, for culture, for apprenticeships, for learning is going to play a vital role as we think about the future of workspace. The idea of what that workspace looks like, is it flexible, does it change, is it a safe and healthy environment, is it close to where people live, is it used daily, one day a week, three times a week, monthly, annually, quarterly, that's still up for debate and is being worked through. You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? Jason, welcome to the Future of Work podcast. We're really excited to have you here today and uh, looking forward to a pretty uh, enlightened conversation. I am too, Frank. Glad we got to do this. I'm looking forward to today's chat. Well, you know, Jason, you and I have, have known each other for a while, and I certainly know your company quite well. Um, let me give a little introduction for those that aren't familiar with you. And I'll start off by saying that I know your mission was originally to create workspaces that elevated people. And you've started from the inside out. And in 2013, you've co-founded Very, who builds the popular Very Desk sit and stand desk sets that are used worldwide by over 98% of the global Fortune 1000. That's a pretty, pretty amazing number uh, overall. Since its founding, Very has been recognized for its growth and innovation. SMU Cox named it Dallas's fastest growing business and Ernst and Young actually named you Entrepreneur of the Year. So welcome, Jason. We're really excited to have you aboard and to dig into the future of work. Oh, excited to be here. Thanks for that. Yeah, enjoyed our conversation. So look forward to sharing some of this knowledge and what we've both been through here on this journey. So uh, Well, you know, between the two of us, as we were just talking, we have 120 years of uh, experience. <laughs> So my God, I mean, we, we, we've been around, uh, you know, the, the stump a few times and, and, and do have a fair try. And we're still fighting the good fight. So we're you trying bet. to crack the code. So. You bet. Give, giving it a good try. But tell me, where do you see the future of the workplace going? And, and I emphasize workplace, not the future of work. That's a massive, massive topic. But where do you see the workplace itself going? Yeah, so we, you know, we think about it in, in probably three different ways. So um, the, the idea that there will be a workspace for people to come together for collaboration, for community, for culture, for apprenticeships, for learning is going to play a vital role as we think about the future of workspace. The idea of what that workspace looks like, is it flexible, does it change? Is it a safe and healthy environment? Is it close to where people live? Is it used daily, one day a week, three times a week, monthly, annually, quarterly? That's still up for debate and is being worked through. Second thing is we see for people that can have that flexibility for the types of jobs, because maybe 50 or 40% of jobs would allow for some type of work from a anywhere or work from home type environment. So I think you're gonna see a lot of changes continue to happen in that space. And then sort of a third space that continues to evolve where team members can come together. It may not be a permanent space for a company. Maybe it's a, a co-shared space, co-working space, a flexible workspace. It might be a third option. But we do think the idea of people being able to have focus time is going to be important when they're working heads down on projects. But the idea that we're ultimately better together and working in a synergistic way is going to continue to happen. So those are kind of the three areas that we see continue to emerge and really change here over the next years 
um, ahead of us. Well, you know, it's funny. For about five years now, we've been saying that the next workplace facility, whether it's an office or a co-working center or something, should actually be built on a bike path, not on a metro line. Um, that uh, the way people move and the way that we work and the way, way we want to lead our lives is quite different. And I, I, I noticed one of the largest uh, companies in our industry, IWG, put out an interesting article this morning in their UK newsletter. I read everything you know that goes on in the industry. And, and it was talking about the four-day work week. Um, and I'd read an article last night about um, the Chinese uh, work week which is 996, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. That's pretty much your standard work week. Uh, and I thought, well, if we go to the four-day work week and they stick on the 996, I started looking at the differences in the way cultures approach work and workplace. Uh, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Does uh, the Western world fall behind by this, this new model? Uh, uh, um, we talk about the great resignation and everybody finding themselves. Is, is this a productivity issue that's a losing battle for, for some of us and a winning battle for others of us? Globally, we all work. So they're, 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 we, we are one people in that regard. We're human beings. But what, what's your thought on the changes to the workplace relative to time and the value that that, that adds or detracts? A four-day work week reduces the value of the real estate that's being used four days a week instead of five days a week or six days a week. Um, and that impacts the value of commercial real estate, which impacts yields, which impacts finance, which impacts savings, et cetera. It's a, you know, kind of an, an interesting domino effect. So right. I probably confused the heck out of you, but what, yeah, what's, okay. your, what's your thoughts? Well, I think um, the idea of impact and productivity are probably the, the two things when I think about when I think about work and workspace. And so, um, entrepreneurs that I you know in entrepreneurship, which I believe is the lifeblood of our economy. I don't I don't know that that's encapsulated in a four hour work week or or a seven day work week. So I don't I don't know it's that both. the it's, it's both. both and entrepreneurship in just like life it ebbs and flows and almost like seasons. Um, there, are, there are times to reap the harvest, there's times to plant the seeds, there's time to recharge. And so I think about workspace really being flexible and absorbing and moving. And so we always talk about, you know, should the walls move, should the space move, should your, as your needs and your times move, all of space should operate like that. It shouldn't be confines of that, just like your life. So you've got to lean in when it's time to work really hard. And there's times when you do get to rest and recharge, just like in, in the normal time of day. So I don't look at it as it's got to be four hours and it's four nine-day hours or four six-day hours. I think every business, every journey, every entrepreneur, every passion project that's out there is going to ebb and flow and that there's not one perfect cookie cutter forever for the next uh, 100 years out there. It's going to continue to ebb and flow. I do think the spirit of entrepreneurship, taking pride in the grind, taking pride in the work. You know, I spent the weekend with my grandmother who just turned 99 and she talks about just the honor in it, working in the bomb factories during World War Two and going in to serve, you know, while her husband was overseas and doing jobs that were needed to get back on the farm, to go back and be teaching these school children, to be leaning in on the community. Well, that's not a four-day work week. That's a commitment to life and entrepreneurship and hard work. And so I think of society as 
finding ways to make those impacts. So where we can learn faster, leveraging technology or being in a classroom, that's 24 seven, you know, how you can continue to learn Well, we can make a positive impact and serve and volunteer or work in, in a workspace, like all those things. It's not just four days a week and it's not just six days a week. It's gonna, it's, well, it's, it's a lifestyle it's, choice. It's interesting as we look at the, the great resignation topic and tie that into it, um, it's pretty hard to resign life. Right. Um, you know, so if, if people are though demising their work week or demising their their time into different sectors, it seems, and it seems a little to me a little too much stop start. Uh, I'm I'm a serial entrepreneur. I know you are too, and I always have a pad of paper or a a, a, a phone with a notepad in it or something like that with me all the time. Uh, and ideas come to you, uh, uh, thoughts uh, on improvement come to you when they come to you. And it could be sitting on the beach, it could be on a bus, it could be in any place, but you have to blend that. And I think that comes to the joy of work that you're talking about with your, your grandmother, that if we find things that we can, can find joy in uh, as we work, that that's really the key to the true work week, which is just being productive and, and looking at family productivity and, and, and things as, as important as, as corporate productivity. Um, you know, is teaching your children any less important than, you know, making a sale for the company? No, it's, it's, it's infinitely more important to, to should be at least, uh, to, to all of us. Yeah, I think if you can maintain, you know, the like a book like Mindset, which talks about being in that growth mindset. So the the moment that you're not learning, that you've shut down, that you're being tight and closed, looked about something, like, all right, versus that remaining grateful, remaining optimistic. Can I find a better way? Is there a way to simplify this? Is there a solution here? Is there some way that I can make a positive impact by constantly keeping your brain and your lifestyle and leading by example for your children, for your spouse, for your partner, for your community, finding ways, leaning over to pick up the trash and toss it away, like do the work and just continue to move on. You don't need to ask for a thank you. You don't need a pat on the back. Do your job, you know, like kind of like the bumblebee as the Stoics talk about. It's like we're all put on this planet to make an impact, to create amazing memories, to build healthy relationships. So how do you do that? How do you do that in work? How do you do that in your community? How do you do that in your family? It's not just sitting on the couch, absorbing consumption and just no, it, ordering it, online. It's about getting out there and finding ways to do good things and make an impact. And if you can monetize it and do all this, the flywheel effect kicks in, it rises the tide for all of us. No, I, I couldn't agree more. The, the, uh, uh, the amount of gray hair I have or the lack of hair that I have uh, overall defines that a lot of people ask me about retirement. And... Uh, I, I speak exactly what you said. I think we're all put here to, to create and produce. Uh, and the moment you stop being productive, you stop finding value with, with your life uh, overall. And, and certainly you're, you're not enriching the lives of others. Uh, improving my golf game, which is beyond pale, um, is uh, not a good life's ambition. Uh, you know, in, in my opinion, at least it's to, it's to produce and create. Uh, so I, I, com I completely agree with you. You know, it's funny when we talk about this and, and we talk about the great resignation, you're in a business that sees 
a lot of flexibility. You were talking about flexibility a moment ago, and your hands are going back and forth, back and forth. I just see you moving walls and, and, and moving things around to to sh shape shift uh, buildings from the inside. It's hard to sh shape shift those walls on the outside. Uh, that's a whole nother topic. But on the inside, you're constantly doing that. What do you think a corporate or a company's large or small ability to continually adjust itself um, the way it uses its space relative to the business phase it's in what do you think that has to do with the war for talent with the keeping good people um uh, and with this this discussion about the great resignation uh that's going on yeah i think you know as leaders of organizations we are constantly in a mindset of we've really got to innovate or die so mm -hmm. are we going to leapfrog ourselves are we going to create a culture of innovation are the team members that we're surrounding marching towards a common goal to make a positive impact out there but in a very entrepreneurial, so whether they're the CEO and they're the entrepreneur or they're really operating as intrapreneurs and coming up with the next big ideas and solutions. And then what are the tools that they need to be successful? When do they need to collaborate and share those ideas? And that iron on iron happens when team members are ideating together and coming up with the next big thing. Where do they need focus time to just really do what Warren Buffett does every day, a deep dive and think and get into there and read for hours and figure things out and then come back together and test these theories and ideas on the battlefield of commerce. That's what we need to be thinking about. We think about the tools that are accessible to our team. So at those moments when they need to be together and then as building owners, you know, you talk about we build these beautiful bones and structures, and then we literally rebuild the insides every four or five years, we rip it out, we throw it in a landfill and create bones of spaces, these ecosystems that operate, be smart about what the way we design our houses, so that they're flexible over time that we continue to ebb and flow and, and change them as needed, so that we continue to be smarter about really the impact that we're having on the environment. So kind of combining all those things, but nonstop, you know, pushing for innovation because in that growth mindset, you're either growing or you're dying. And so for us as leaders, as optimists, whether we're, we're in politics or whatever, like we're, we're, we're pushing for hope versus fear, finding solutions, innovation. And that allows us really to make a bigger impact and create companies and, and really elevate the entire world. Well, you know, I, I, I think you're right. The, I, I know when we first started building buildings back in the late, late 70s, early 80s, uh, we chose a, a furniture system at that time. This is well before Barry was in existence, or we I obviously would have chosen Barry. Um, but we chose uh, Haller systems out of Switzerland. Okay. Um, and if you're familiar with them, it looks like a bunch of steel tinker toys. Um, and you can do exactly what you're talking. And we configured desks, conference rooms, uh, uh, management rooms. Uh, we had a kit that you know you had to break this stuff apart, put it back together. But we did it specifically. We chose that specifically back in the late '70s uh, because it had that flexibility, and we knew that we would be changing um, uh, overall. And it proved to be. And while it was expensive to buy up front, 
it proved to be a very, very good value and bring us value beyond the furniture. Um, that flexibility mode, which takes me over to, uh, you've made a comment in what you were just saying about speed. Um, speed is good. Uh, filling buildings uh, uh, faster uh, because you have the ability to move things around and therefore make them more efficient. We have a, a saying that it's not the, the big that eat the small, it's the fast that eat the slow. Um, and we really try to practice that speed is good uh, concept uh, as a company, as part of our philosophy. But how do you see that impacting corporations? And I know you have your own, I'll call them labs, co-working and business center labs they're they're on a massive scale um, um, uh, uh, several hundred thousand square feet of probably the industry's biggest test kitchens if you will um, what do you find uh, that your own flexibility is in that space and how do you use speed to change as a tool to improve the performance of the particular real estate group yeah, as we were touring clients through our headquarters in Capel, which is just north of the Dallas Fort Worth Airport, and as they were walking through, and we had our electric standing desks and walls, and it was our headquarters, they would wave their hands around and go, I want all of this. And what they were describing was the energy of the space, and they wanted it now, like snap your fingers. And so because our, our business model was built very differently than the traditional furniture model, where we're actually in stock and we've got four distribution centers in the U.S., we said we're going to ship same day. And we kind of grew up not being from the, quote, furniture industry. That allowed us to have speed to, get, to ship out product. And they said, well, can you assemble it and space plan and design it? And these were things that I wasn't planning on doing. We were, but again, just like every entrepreneur, you're listening to the pain points that your no. customers are going through. And they said, can we get to, to space faster? And so we were able to come in and install 25,000 square feet in a matter of eight hours because Dan and I joked that we wanted everything to be so easy to assemble. He and I could build something, anything we make in five minutes. That allowed us to, to learn that we could assemble furniture and set it up faster. But every CEOs we were talking to, they, they would go into a white box space and they're like, why isn't this, you know, I can't envision my product in here. So we started just testing the idea with a couple asset owners. One was Equity Office here in Dallas on a project and we staged it. They would call it a spec suite. So we put our furniture in there. And the beauty was because we, what we called it was if they did evergreen tenant improvement, if they got the space ready, we could put our furniture in. The client said, instead of a four to 1,000 density, we want five people for 1,000. Well, our furniture moves. So literally they were able to lease the space faster, which makes sense. This is kind of building up to the logic of how we got here. Just like a model home where you see it staged if Chip and Joanna get in there and make it look magical. I want the house as is fully furnished. And IWG and with their spaces product and WeWork and others recognized in through co-working that people wanted furnished spaces. So we recognized it early on at an enterprise level. But because the market was so hot out here, it wasn't as obvious what was going on. So we decided to buy our own building. So we bought a building that was had been empty for six years, really invested in the tenor green, tenant evergreen improvement. So it really is done. Like we said, we're going to polish all the concrete. We're going to get put our, the lights in. We're going to get the spaces ready. So in a matter of just days, a client can move in. 
Well, this is a 400,000 square foot building and we leased it in less than one year, fully furnished. And the way we figured out with Verispace is that we could have three to five year leases kind of fill that niche. And for us would be, allow us to learn, would anybody even like it? Do they want a two year lease, a five year lease? We just said, let's try it. Well, we leased it 400,000 square feet, had subsequently bought our second building to prove one, we weren't just lucky, but that we could see if we could learn faster. And so, and we're actually now building our third building. So by the end of summer 2022, we'll have a million square feet in Dallas-Fort Worth of, of two buildings built in the 80s that we've reimagined that look totally different. And one we were building from the ground up, 180,000 square foot tilt wall. Really for us is a living, breathing ideation lab and showroom. So whether it's Verizon and Microsoft, Fortune 20 clients that lease large footprint spaces from us, or great, amazing companies like Rumble On, publicly traded on NASDAQ. But our smallest space is 10,000 square feet. Our largest is 200,000 square feet. So we, we lease out large blocks. We don't have individual offices, but it's for us learning the energy of the space. Can we do music in the lobby, cool food services, music in the restrooms, biophilia, which I didn't know what that was five years ago, but plants throughout the space, have an engaged campus, and then other asset owners can tour the space and learn and can we do these projects for others but yeah this is a million square feet that we're learning every day what do people use what do they not use once a year or every 90 days we can come in and change the space if they need it so literally during covid one of our clients said we have a 6.75 to 1000 density requirement but now we're going to five to 1000 just change the space welcome the team back that's how we learn together. And then we can share those ideas with other great asset owners or fast growing companies to create new products, new solutions. I didn't know we weren't in the soft seating business before these buildings two years ago, and now we've got a multi-million dollar soft seating line. And what do people use? So they want smaller spaces with private areas. And so we're just, we're learning. And this is a living, breathing lab and showroom for us now. Well, you know, I, I think what you're doing there is, is pretty interesting. And what's interesting too, you, you referenced um, <clears throat> your, your project with Equity Office. Uh, you know, Equity Office was originally uh, developed, uh, created by a, a company by Sam Zell out of Chicago. And I go way, way back with Sam. And, and I remember one of the, was at a meeting with him and a bunch of other crusty old guys uh, in, in Dallas, actually. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, Trammell Crow was there too at, at, at this meeting. And these guys are peppering Sam. They say, you're building these smart suites in your offices that look like executive suites. We hate executive suites. Why are you building these things? And Sam, <clears throat> who had, had a really interesting approach, he said, well, I want to service the entire life cycle of my customer base. And everybody went, oh yeah, that makes sense. The whole room, the whole room made sense. I consequently had a, a conversation with Tremble Crow and I was trying to talk him into something. And he said, boy, your tail ain't gonna wag my dog. And that was the end of the conversation. So, you know, I failed miserably at my purpose for being at this meeting. But Sam's response was very thoughtful. I wanna service the entire life cycle of my customer. And as we look at large commercial developers today, from equity on, I won't say on down, but sideways, up, down, every which way. Today, 30, 40 years after Sam said that, everybody wants to service the entire life cycle of a customer base. And that requires flexibility. And you deliver yeah, I, that. 
flexibility. So I think as a concept, flexibility uh, is really uh, the, the driver, is the driver to speed uh, for growth of companies, uh, is the driver to occupancy for growth of uh, yield in real estate. It's the driver to tenant, or excuse me, uh, employee longevity, uh, because we all need to flex and grow in, in our employment structure. So that whole concept and thriving on that concept of flexibility, I think, is a, a big contribution that uh, I hope you guys continue to make. Yeah, you know, with the, the chief investment officers that we talked to that are managing the tens of millions of square feet, and, and the data is out there, and you're probably closer to it than I'm. At some point, call it two to thirty percent, will be in this this flexible space there. And to your point on the life cycle of the customer, we talk about creating lifelong fans. We want to be with our fans on their entire journey when they start their own companies, when they get promoted, when they start to think about it. But these ecosystems that are inside of these assets. If 30% is going to be flexible, then how do we do it smart? So how do we do one-time tenant improvement or, list, or, or limited? And how do we are we smart about the products and services that we're offering? How do we drive enough revenue in that so that it makes sense from a financial perspective? And then will the capital market support it? I think that's the been the most interesting thing out there. It's like, well, we get a 40 to 50% rep premium by offering a flexible space. Yep. So we can we can drive more revenue per square foot. I can argue that we can turn a space faster, just like in multifamily. They may be able to turn a space in three days. I've actually proven we can turn a space in a matter of a couple of weeks. We can lease it right out to the next person, close to what hospitality does or what traditional co-working does. This is at an enterprise level. The rent revenue is 30 to 40 to 50 percent. Plus, there's no more TI dollars going out. There's no more junk going in a landfill like reusing can drive more revenue in the portfolio. So these portfolio managers recognize it. So now if the capital markets will support it, we recognize that you got to serve the customer. That's what the, the C-suite wants. Sam was he nailed it. You know, in, the, in, the, in the, whatever year that was, Sam nailed it. But that's exactly the way the mindset needs to be. Well, well you know, I want to I want to challenge you with something. Uh, you, you say you listen to the customer. Um, and I know you've done a lot of that historically and done it very well. But what you're just saying right now is uh, these property portfolios come to us and they want this and they want that. And the corporates want this and they want that. I see that Vary is missing something, uh, honestly. Uh, and, and, that, and I challenge you on this. You should build or redesign, maybe collaboratively with others, a full, highly flexible workplace in a box, a kit. Um, that can be provided to these property companies so they can serve their tenants better, that is more of a, a highly flexible, more of a, a co-working style model where you provide the full operating system, not just the fixtures and furniture fixtures and equipment that goes into an operating system. Because the biggest challenge that landlords have today goes back to this four-day work week discussion. You know, four-day work week is a 20% vacancy factor, right? Okay. Um, or 20% value reduction in conventional real estate. Or more parking efficiency. Yeah, or more parking efficiency. <laughs> That's right. But only they one might, day. They might spit it the other way. Um, and the only solutions they find are existing operators that want to do joint ventures with them 
but nobody is giving them the full kit operationally. And that's something I think you guys should look at. Yeah, today in our journey, so we provide the space planning. And so we can can stage a space, we can space plan it, uh, we can host the events, we can um, get the space ready and market ready. That includes the plants and the staging, you know, so that it is like show ready, the music and everything. As clients move in, we can literally change the space because your your requirements may change. So for the for the owner of the building, we actually provide the next level of space planning and workplace strategy for the tenant that's moving in. So their density, we want to move the offices. We also provide the service side where we make all those changes. And after they've moved in, we provide the service where we can come in and change the space over time as they need it. All those are already built in. There's a couple more layers of pieces, you're correct, that we don't have yet in our offering, not to say that we won't soon, but that's allowed us to work directly with these asset owners to provide space planning, staging, hosting events, working with the commercial real estate community, changing the space after they sign the leases, showing them how we do our leases here at Fairspace, because we're an operator, we understand the pain points of that. So we've already worked with all the majors, the Cushmans, the JLLs, all of us, they're, they're starting to, to understand how we do it. They also know how other great organizations do it. And then as your, the tenants move in, we provide the services. So there's a couple pieces that we don't have yet, but we're getting there, I think, as we're learning. Um, very quickly, and we're because we did a thousand offices during COVID here in the last 12 months, and we transformed spaces. A lot of those were for asset owners that were competing against the sublease market of, of fully furnished spaces. They they took their generic space and we livened it up, and and it's working. So we're still learning. You know, we're only nine years old, Frank. I'm trying to catch you. So we're we're trying to we're trying to learn as fast as we can, and we're getting there. But it's a it's a fair challenge. We're we're going as fast as I can. Got well, skid knees and riding the bikes, so we're we're going. We're <laughs> well, I, I I think we can leave it at that. Uh, overall, um, it's a good good place to kind of depart and and reschedule some some thought processes, maybe on a private side that that says what what could the future of work look like if you were fully integrated into the operating side of the space uh, as opposed to the just shape shifting the physical side of the space right. uh, overall and that this isn't a plug for you or your company this is a, an important thing for every major company to be thinking about right now how, how do we adjust internally and make uh, make space work so that we can keep the people attract the people and get the most efficiency possible so jason i want to thank you very much for your time today i know you're quite busy and and uh, I really uh, I'm grateful to you for uh, sharing your thoughts with us. Oh, Frank, my pleasure. And I've enjoyed our talks. You're, you're, you're definitely iron on iron, making me smarter. So I appreciate it. And, and I, I love what you're doing as, you, as you're, you've been fighting the good fight here for many years. I'm dreaming about the future of work. So appreciate that. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?